0: there was there was no prosperity gospel in this, there was no personal gain in this. They had seen somebody who had risen from the grave and they were willing to go to the grave themselves to tell that story. You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates
1: contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions,
0: and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode.
2: Hello, welcome to another episode of The Worship Review, the podcast that critically but charitably examines the songs that we sing in our churches. And uh, I am Colin. I am a history professor in the Midwest of the United States. I'm joined as always by my co-host and friend and chum,
1: Tyler. I think you forgot a P on the end of chum there. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I'm the linguist.
2: Very good, uh, and we are joined, not as always, but very pla- pleased to have with us Dave Whitcroft uh, from KD Music. Dave, welcome back to the show.
0: It's nice to be back for a second week. Really appreciate that, guys. Thank you. All
2: right, fantastic. And we are going to be looking at the Dove Award. Let's see the song christ is risen he is risen indeed by the gettys which was on the dove award nominated album hymns for the christian life so uh tyler i actually want to start with you before we even get into the lyrics just how would you kind of generally summarize this song
1: this is a this is a song which would be very suitable for easter Colin, let's be clear here. This is a song about the resurrection. This is a song about the disciples hearing the news of the resurrection and leading new lives because of Christ's resurrection. And this is a song which uh, celebrates that and uh, calls us to worship him, calls us to worship our risen and living Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, and
2: uh, before we get into the lyrics, Tyler, uh, our 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 uh, our co-host, our guest host Dave, has a small conflict of interest. We're told Dave, could you just explain just very briefly about the the size of Northern Ireland and uh, and just the music, the musical relationships there.
0: Yeah, like it's a bit like in the world, you're seven steps removed from everybody. In Northern Ireland, you're one step <laughs> removed from everybody. So I record in the same studio that, that the Getty's sometimes use up on the North Coast, uh, Zero Hour Studio, and mm-hmm. um, my co-writer, Ian Hanna, has written three or four, I think, with the Getty's when they were based primarily in Northern Ireland. I think I was even in a gig with Kristen Getty once way back, mm-hmm. when she was Kristen Lennox, And I embarrassed myself because I thought it was a church variety show. And I had two novelty songs lined up, um, Cigarettes and Whiskey and Wild Wild Women from The Muppets, and uh, another one from a kids' show. And the host stood up and said, Welcome to this evening of sacred music. And that's all I had up my sleeve. So she sang beautifully, and everybody was polite to me. So maybe she remembers, but it was a while back, so she probably doesn't, so...
2: Fantastic. Uh, All right. Well, let's pour into the lyrics. So it starts out... How can it be the one who died has borne our sin through sacrifice to conquer every sting of death? Sing, sing, hallelujah. Dave, I want to kick it off to you first. Do you have thoughts or uh, ideas about these lyrics? Good, solid biblical
0: stuff. It starts with a rhetorical question. How can it be the one who died has borne our sin through sacrifice? I don't think it entirely answers that. Maybe you disagree with me like it sets up a quite if you're being pedantic you could say it's setting up a question and doesn't entirely answer it but it's, it it r- what it moves through to to conquer every sting of death sorry that's that's later but it it's a powerful repost anyway and mm-hmm. and it's the right question to ask yeah there's a mystery in that i do I, I would say i think when it asks that question it's it's a question that's debated a lot you know mm-hmm. um what does the cross mean um What does substitutionary atonement mean? And -hmm. there have been rows over that. And I I, I just can't understand why people can't look at the Bible and go, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, clearly the cross takes away sin. I mean, it's in there. It's all over the place. Christ is the propitiation for our sin. I mean, this is obvious. It's done at Passover, for goodness sake. So, of course, of course, even though we don't understand the full mechanisms of it, he's taken away our sin on the cross. It doesn't mean that that's all the cross is about. I, th- I think critics of substitutionary atonement rightly point out the cross has a universal impact um, in showing God's love, um, in demonstrating Christ's humility. It does all of those things, but that doesn't negate that central sacrifice.
1: Yeah, I, I was just reflecting on that recently, and I think I even texted you, Colin, where uh, I was reading where John the Baptist sees Christ for the first time, and the first thing out of his mouth is, behold, the Lamb of God who takes yeah. away the sins of the world. And you think, well, uh, what does it mean to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world other than to be um, a sacrificial lamb? So, yeah, uh, I will, I guess I could second what you said, Dave, uh, and Colin, I... I I was wondering, you know, those songs that the lyrics are really, really simple and they're meant not to really exposit an idea, but just to kind of meditate on something. Sure. This isn't really one of those songs. This <laughs> first, first opens and it's just, it almost reads like prose. Yeah. It's so rich and so full of uh, text and idea. So I think it's also. Uh, really, an excursus or a kind of exposition on John chapter 20, really the whole song, actually. So, if you don't mind, I'd like to just read that scripture here. Sure. John 20. I'll read from the NIV, just to upset Colin. <laughs> Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight to the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And it goes on from there. And if you'll forgive that long uh, reading, uh, I think it's important because we have this expository first line. And then throughout the rest of the song, we have Christ's disciples lifting their eyes and seeing their friend and their King risen. We have later on a mention of Uh, Those who have not seen yet have believed being blessed. And so I think this whole song could be read as uh, really a reflection on and even an interpretation of John 20.
2: I guess I'll only add I'll add something much more brief than Tyler did uh, because sorry it,
1: that was long winded. No, I that's it okay. It's scripture. Um,
2: so I, I the only thing I'll add that's that's just a little bit different is uh, one of the things I like is so yeah you have a rhetorical question which Dave brought up uh, and then there's this response sing sing hallelujah and I just want to point out the order here that I quite like uh, there is a, again. It's a question, but there's truth embedded in the question. Really, the question is another way of saying uh, Christ died; He bore our sins through His sacrificial death, and He conquered the sting of death in doing that. So sing, and and so there's an objective truth, and then the response is to that truth, which I think is gets really gets the order right. And even though Christ isn't mentioned here, there's really no mistaking. That this is who is being discussed in these opening lines. So right at the beginning of the song, there's a lot, it just the song is set upon the right path right at the very beginning.
1: I would even go and say that hallelujah does actually identify
3: okay, who you're talking to because I I
1: won't do this, I won't go into it again because I know we've talked about this in the show before, but that ya at the end is a personal identifier for our Lord. And so this is mm-hmm. the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesse. David and the God and father of our Lord and savior Jesus Christ. So I think this is really, really specific praise ye the Lord, not just, you know, I I think we have a lot of, there are a lot of religions in the world and they all, um, not all, but any theistic religion will talk about a God and we have more than a God. We have the Lord. Um, Hmm. and so that's what, that's what we sing there. And yeah, I think this, how can it be, as you said, Colin is best understood as a rhetorical question. Um, and Dave too, um, I don't think there's any reading which is reasonable, which reads this as legitimate skepticism, um, but rather it's a kind of, um, it's actually kind of praise where you're bewildered at your own, uh, your own salvation being uh, done in this wondrous way. It it kind of reminds me of, and can it be in that respect too?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: For joy awakes as dawning light when Christ's disciples lift their eyes. Alive he stands, their friend and king, Christ, Christ he is risen. Tyler, thoughts on this set of lines?
1: Yes. So we have a kind of parallel here. Dawning light, you can imagine the sun rising. And then also, and I I mean, like the solar sun um, rising, bringing dawning light with it. And joy awakening from a kind of joyless slumber. And I think these are both, uh, they're poetic, but they're descriptions of the, the mood of the disciples. You remember from what uh, we just read, uh, they're hiding and mourning in this upper room, locked away by themselves. And they lift their eyes and they see him, Christ. He's named here. He stands. He's uh, capitalized their capital F friend and capital K king. I wondered if this friend was a um, a reflection on Christ's own words where he tells them, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Um, So here they have a friend, a king, a monarch, uh, Christ himself, he is risen. So this, it's interesting, this light, um, John 1, comes to mind too, spreads to the disciples. And then throughout the rest of the song, they're carrying that light forward. And then we are ultimately also called to tell of his goodness later on. So Mm -hmm. I think we have very good, uh, biblical, uh, and actually this is a song that takes theology seriously, takes the Bible seriously, but also, reflects on it in a poetic way that doesn't distract from the source material. So I think this is very good.
0: Uh Dave, your thoughts? Yeah, a few. Um, Joy Awakens, absolutely. I think what a general observation I'll make about this hymn is that firstly, I wasn't wasn't familiar with it, which as a Getty song, how how is it, how is that possible? But um <laughs> But for some reason, it hasn't embedded in the churches that I've moved around in Northern Mm -hmm. Ireland, which is where they're from. And I'm just wondering why that is. And I think everything in this hymn, as we'll go on, we'll see, is thoroughly biblical. It's spot on. But I think um, I'm going to make a comment about song structure and Mm -hmm. how it constrains their ability to go deeper. Mm. So joy awakes, absolutely. But this, that doesn't summarize the, f- the full extent of the disciples' experience. They, they were shocked and bewildered as well. But this is a short-form um, verse structure. I think I did some work on this. Uh, each verse is 32 syllables, which is... Sh- Whoa! ...which is sh- 32 syllables, which is short-form, like amazing grace. In Christ alone... Has um, sixty-four syllables per verse, um, and th- we've we've a, a narrative one on on the passion as well called Freedom Slave, which is an old Irish tune, seventy-six um, syllables per verse. It just gives you more room to mm-hmm. unpack the story a little more, and I think I would say this tune came first, and the lyrics had to fit into it. Yeah, um, and therefore. Um, I think it's probably, even though it's a brilliant um, catechismal hymn for teaching about the birth of the church right up through Acts and our response to the resurrection, it's probably harder to emotionally identify it with it on first singing because Mm -hmm. it doesn't have the time and space to dig into the stories and the cameos Mm -hmm. like The Graveside or The Upper Room with Thomas um, mm-hmm. And because that perplexed me, why this is a great hymn? Once you've listened to it five times, mm-hmm. this would be a great hymn to teach our kids and our congregation. Mm-hmm. Why has it not immediately stolen my heart? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons. Um, that's fascinating.
2: Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I j- I'll just only say I like the reference in the song to something historically happening. So this often light gets abstracted in worship music. Mm-hmm. There's no explanation for what light and dark means. They're just used, and we're just left to kind of assume what they mean. They might, it might mean sin. If it's darkness, if it's light, it might mean grace. It might mean love. It It just means something good. And this song anchors what the light means. It, it, and it's clear that it's a metaphor. Joy <laughs> awakens as dawning light when Christ's disciples lift their eyes alive. He this is a concrete, real thing. And light is just kind of, it's just a way of of just accentuating or um, just adding depth and character to something that is very visceral, real, and historical. And, and I think, uh, Dave, I appreciate what you've said about it would be nice if structurally there was room to expound upon this more although I will say for only 32 syllables it does a pretty darn good job so yeah really really well done uh, really well done verse then we get to the chorus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, sing hallelujah. Join the chorus. Sing with the redeemed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Dave, not too much going on here, but I'm sure you have some thoughts about it.
0: um, I'm going to share an admission here. I went down a rabbit hole on this because um, I got the lyrics off Spotify. You know the way you can show them the lyrics on Spotify? Mm -hmm. And whoever typed the lyrics in um, had typed in uh, join the chorus C-H-O-R-I-S-T apostrophe. Oh. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So... I was flicking through the Bible going, is there a reference to one of the announcing angels as the chorus or the, you know, the leader of the heavenly host or Mm -hmm. is it somebody out? is it a, is it like the musical director of the Psalms? And then realized it's just, it was just a typo. So just, you know, for all you textual (laughs) criticism guys out there, typos can create an awful lot of different meaning. So uh, I thought, I thought it was a deliberate, um, deliberate use of an obscure word to catch your attention, which is a great, Um, um, A great device for going, I want to tell you something special. And there's nothing Mm. special landed, (laughs) or weird. (laughs) Uh, So now this is straightforward adoration. Christ, Christ is risen indeed. It's based on uh, um, a piece of liturgy. I don't think it's directly out of scripture, forgive me if I'm wrong. I think that um, that direct amalgam of Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. With that response, yeah. is from lit- liturgical churches, particularly Greek Orthodox, but it's used in Catholic and Anglican circles as well. Hmm. Really powerful, um, and I love it. So, <laughs> yeah, Tyler,
1: this this refrain here reminded uh, me of Luke twenty four thirty four. The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. We have we have that not just that he's risen, but there's this kind of indeed or verily aspect to. It, if you remember the King James translations of uh, Christ's teachings, um, seeing Hallelujah once again. This strikes me as interesting. And this Paschal blessing, this Easter blessing, or or Pesach um, Passover blessing, always struck me as interesting when I heard it in. And and I'd only ever, of course, heard it in liturgical circles or you know in Christian circles, but. Uh, the, the first thing that I noticed, even as a as a as a young man, I was probably uh, in a, in high school when I first heard this, um, was that it said Christ is risen and not Christ has risen. Right where typically, if we form the perfect in English, we'll say you know the dough has risen and and you might not say the dough is risen. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, of course, got me thinking about comparing it to German where you can form the perfect with have or be, which in this case, this is a be uh, perfect. Uh, And certain verbs allow one and certain verbs allow the other. Um, And the ones that allow a be perfect are ones that they're intransitive. So that is they don't take an object, right? Like I rise, I don't rise a boat or something, I would raise a boat. Um, So I rise, and they imply a, a change of either location or state.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And here we have exactly that, that Christ was dead. And I think this is important. I, I doubt that this is really on the minds of people when they say is instead of has risen. But this is, I think, important, perhaps etymologically, that he really was dead. Uh, it is not, it, it is, a. it is. It is the case that his resurrection is not a magic trick, right? It, it is the case that he actually rose from the dead, um, and that he is verily, or indeed, or truly risen. Of course, indeed being a contraction from in and deed, like in in matter of fact, in 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 reality. So, yeah, I like this.
2: Where doubt and darkness once had been, they saw him and their hearts believed. But blessed are those who have not seen, yet sing
0: hallelujah. I had landed on um, the encounter with Thomas as well. And I just thought it was beautiful. You were hearing the very words of Jesus here. Um, the, mm-hmm. the use of the word hearts, so it, it's, I don't think it's intended here, but it brings to mind um, the road to Emmaus, where as soon as their eyes were open, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us Um, Mm. as he opened the scriptures to us? So I thought it's an aside. It's a personal observation. I'm not sure it's Mm. intended there, but it's it's part of the same narrative.
2: Sometimes those, I was just going to say on that point, Dave, uh, with the Gettys, just from their catalog of music, it's clear that they meditate on scripture quite a bit. And I imagine this is one of those fruits of that, where when a person is consistently reading God's Word, thinking about God's Word, maybe even unintentionally then, these these little um, nuggets get dropped into songs. So even if this wasn't their intent, it probably comes from the
0: preparation and work that they do as artists. Yeah, and that and that's where all of our hearts should come from. It, mm-hmm. You know, if If you love the story of the gospel and um, you dig into the pastoral epistles, I remember being captivated by Philippians once for a while, and it's in you then. And it's just going to come out, isn't it? Yeah, Organically. Once bound by fear, now bold Mm. in faith. I love that. Um, A bit of alliteration in there to reinforce it as well.
2: Once bound by fear, now bold in faith, they preached the truth and power of grace, and pouring out their lives, they gained life, life
0: everlasting. Dave? We're into, probably into the Acts and uh, also church history after Acts here, because we know from, it is likely that most of the the apostles poured out their lives, Mm -hmm. but they gained life everlasting, and... Uh, Jesus said to Peter that at, at the end of his life he'd be taken by the hand and his, uh, he'd be bound and, and he, would, he would die, very sadly, in a way similar to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that that happened probably to James, who was head of the church in Jer- Jerusalem. He was probably thrown off the top of a building, or allegedly was. Uh, and, and, and church history, or church mythology at least, Tells us that nearly all of the disciples, except for the aged John on Patmos, lost their lives for the gospel. These were people who uh, there was there was no prosperity gospel in this. There was no personal gain in this. They had seen somebody who had risen from the grave, and they were willing to go to the grave themselves to tell that story. And that's so. That's what's encapsulated here. It starts in Acts. Um. They were given a boldness. That's That refers to Pentecost, of course, once bound by fear, now bold in faith. Um, Peter's inspired, Spirit-inspired um, sermon on the day of Pentecost when the curse of Babel was reversed and the gospel reunited people under that one banner. Isn't that lovely? Um, despite the fact that you have an American passport and I have got a British or Irish or both, we're united, not in our nationality, but in Christ. Um, and it does sadden me when I see Christians who, um, for whom their Christianity is secondary to the unity of the faith, bound, uh, now bolded faith. So I don't know how I got there, but anyway. Um, uh, and they preach the truth and the power of grace. Well, that's very rich, isn't it? I really like that verse. They poured out their lives. Very emotive language as well as being truthful.
1: Like you said, in in Acts, for example, chapter seven, St. Stephen is stoned um, for living out his faith and preaching the gospel fearlessly and true. I mean, to stand before religious authorities and say, um, you persecuted the prophets before and uh, you persecuted the son of God uh, and then. To be willing to say that and suffer the consequences really shows that um, St. Stephen was um, fearless and and fearless in a way that only someone who is seeing the truth before him can be, if that makes sense. So. There's a compulsion
0: in there, isn't it? They've been so possessed by this remarkable thing that they've witnessed and i wonder is pouring out a reference to philippians too it says your attitude should be the same as christ jesus dot 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 who poured out his life unto death even death on a cross mm-hmm. so it's sort of maybe implying that they're they're doing that they're copying jesus
2: excellent all right then we have a final chorus
3: He frees our hearts to live
2: his grace. Go tell of his goodness. The power that raised him from the grave now works in us to powerfully save. He frees our hearts to live his grace. Go tell of his goodness. Tyler, we've got an imperative in here. What else do we have going on?
1: <laughs> uh. Let's see, <laughs> go tell, of course. Yeah. Go yeah. tell it on the mountain. They decided different syllables. Uh, go tell of his goodness. Um, I, and I think we've got a really, really clear reference to Romans eight eleven here. If yep. the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And of course this, once again, this is not an, if that, that Paul's not certain about, um, mm-hmm. he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit. lives in you. So that power that raised Christ from the grave now works in us. Yeah. To to powerfully save, I think is one aspect of course they have a limited amount of space, but yeah, you could have said, um, any number of things here. Syllable structure is limited, but yes, to powerfully save in, in everything that goes into, um, your soteriology, right. Your regeneration, uh, your redemption, your adoption, your later glorification. He frees. Now, of course, um, who is the he here? Well, of course, well, I say, of course, I think it's the power that raised him from the grave. I think it's the Holy Spirit of God who frees our hearts to live his grace and encourages us to go tell of his goodness. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, uh, he frees our hearts. That's a great observation.
0: Um, the, uh, The idea of being made alive in Christ, and um, he who is in Christ is a new creation. Uh, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is what the Spirit does as well. All of that transformation through him.
2: Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I like also just to say something about that imperative. I mean, there are imperatives in others, praise and sing. These are uh, imperatives. It's just interesting that the song ends on a quite explicit command, not necessarily to praise, but but to actually go and do something, so you know, in context, this song is being sung in a church service, presumably, and it's giving us some homework. So it's telling us, "Hey, when, when you're when, when we're done singing in here, um, this is something for you to do." And I'm I'm okay with that in this context because the song is so rich in the way that it talks about the work that Christ has already done, and so we're resting in that. Work. And so then you have, he frees our hearts to live his grace because Christ does the work. And in fact, the line before that even says, um, the power works in us, right? That this is the power um, that the Holy Spirit gives us um, by our being in Christ. So it's just, again, not very many words. And you, you do have to kind of look, you have to read it a few times to, to, to kind of get what it's saying because there aren't very many words, as Dave has already pointed out, but this is a really economical way of saying God has done everything on your behalf through Christ, and the Spirit has given you the power now to um, respond to what Christ has done. Not to earn his favor, but, but as, uh, as gratitude, uh, and now you can go and be ambassadors Uh, elsewhere so again that that's a i just said it very clunkily uh they say it quite elegantly in the song but nevertheless it's a really important uh the song doesn't just leave you with your hands up in the service it, it leaves you with good biblical ways of of extending the christian mission and um uh, yeah. And, and working out what it means to be a Christian, which includes telling others.
1: I think one other thing we might draw from this well-crafted bridge is the line. He frees our hearts implies that our hearts were in bondage before. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course they are, they're in bondage to sin. And so we have even subtly here, uh, pretty robust theology of the, of the human heart, uh, mm-hmm. And that the Holy Spirit frees our hearts um, not to to go and swing on the swings at the park or do whatever it is that we want to do in the moment, but actually he frees us to a purpose, right? To live His grace. And so,
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, Colin, I think we were' sent out as these ambassadors. We have a message, We have a mission. We're carrying it forward. And just as earlier we saw the resurrection of Christ likens through simile to the rising of this sun that then penetrated a darkness, uh, we actually are the light of the world. And then we are carrying forward this this gospel to uh, a world that is full of darkness and doubt, like was mentioned in the second verse. So yeah, I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot to be, I I think that this this song lends itself to more, more appreciation the more you think about these words. And I think that's a sign of really, really, really good songwriting.
2: He is risen, he is alive, excuse me. He is risen, he's alive, he's alive. Heaven's gates are open wide, he's alive, he's alive. Now in heaven glorified, he's alive, he's alive. Heaven's gates are open wide, he's alive, he's alive. Now in heaven glorified.
0: Dave, you're the guest. Sure, yeah, let's Your thoughts. Do yeah. Um, heaven's gates are open wide. Obviously, a reference to back to the Psalms, fling wide the gates that the yeah. King of glory might come in. But also, mm-hmm. um, Peter refers to this, Second Peter one eleven, And God will open wide the gates of heaven for you to enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. And uh, a glorified... I think Jesus refers to him being glorified when he's in the upper room with the disciples. Is that right? And you say, I have to go through this trial mm. and then to be glorified. You probably have a reference somewhere to that Tyler. Um, mm. the, the one thing I would say is this is it's didactic catechism content. It's, it's, um, it's a narrator talking about the story of the cross and the early church disciples. Um, this is maybe pedantic, but I would love to sing You're Alive, You're Alive, mm. instead of He is. Uh, th- I think there's too much you and me. so Sorry, too much first person in a lot of yeah. our worship. But I think, um, I know some people would say, um, don't mix your pronouns. But I think the Christian story is about, uh, is written to we in the New Testament. Mm. But it really has to be be a me story as well yeah. so i i think and I, I, I don't think the gettys need to be afraid of saying me and you mm-hmm. in the odd song and, and that and that is in a lot of their songs as well in, um, in christ alone my hope is found and yeah, that's probably why sure. that lands emotionally yeah. more strongly um than some of this i think you're right
1: this outro is interesting because of course we have that he is risen again which is a present perfect so it's for something in the past that's been accomplished and it doesn't leave it there which i really like uh, it goes into the present tense he is alive mm. uh, and it, it is a very very nice reminder that when we you know, I think a, a lot of churches will probably sing this on Easter. Personally, I think you could sing this in all year around. Um, but that w- when we talk about the resurrection, we're not just talking about a, uh, a past tense event. We're talking about something that did happen historically and, uh, Christ is now alive, seated at the right hand of God, the father. And, uh, it, it brings it into the present tense. And so I like that quite a bit. Um, and yeah, his glory, just as his resurrection is the the first fruit um, of the resurrected. And uh, we can look to his resurrection as the assurance of our, our resurrection. This line that he is now in heaven glorified also, I think can serve to encourage us that we will also share in glorification of yeah. our earthly bodies so good stuff here all around okay
2: um well tyler can i ask you to start if you have any concluding thoughts on the song before we get into the ratings
1: yeah this song is great <laughs> <laughs> Dave, Sorry, more detail? <laughs>
2: no i mean well if you, you've kind of explained why it yeah. is as we've gone through the song
0: yeah, uh, the the more I have lived with this over the last few days, uh, the more I've grown to like it. I, I, mm. I do think the the reason it is not rated, or sorry, it is not as prominent in their catalogue of songs as Oh to See the Dawn, which is a stunning hymn of The Power mm. of the Cross, or the the scope of In Christ Alone, or the pathos of, I will wait for you is because it has to skim through, you know, it, the mm-hmm. short form really is constrained here. So the content mm-hmm. is great. I think if you're singing that for the first time, it's past you before you've understood what you're singing. Sometimes because mm-hmm. there's so much, uh, you know, their, their instinct is to write narrative, but this short mm-hmm. form um, probably makes that harder, uh, but a great achievement to do that. So I think, it is a great song um, and uh, discerning churches will probably want to think about it harder than if they skipped over it. Yeah. Very useful mm-hmm. for, for catechism. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: one one other thing I would say though, that perhaps as, as a word of caution is that some of the syntax here is rather complicated. And uh, I think it takes some parsing to make sense of it. Um, so, for, for example, um, even just this first verse, how can it be the one who died, is born or sin through sacrifice, to conquer every sting of death, sing hallelujah. For joy awakes as dawning light when Christ's disciples lift their eyes. Life he stands, a friend and king, Christ, Christ is risen. Perhaps you guys just have IQs that are 50 points higher than mine. But that does, I'm not saying that's difficult for me to understand, but I'm saying there is some element of cognitive load as you're reading this uh, rather complex uh, text that's going on in the background that might be, uh, might be worth considering. I don't even know if we've ever talked about that on the show before, but um, yeah, if you have, where do you set the bar? <laughs> do you want, because if you added two or three more lines to that verse, I don't, I don't know if it'd be easy to parse for the average person. Hmm. But it,
0: it, There's actually quite a, uh, I heard Keith Getty talking about this once that Irish tunes tend to wander. And, st- and story storytell a bit longer, and this is much more like um, an American tune, which is punchy and really gets to the heart of something. And it's interesting that this was a collaboration with Ed Cash, the producer for Chris Tomlin, uh, mm. when they first landed in the states. So I wonder was this an experiment in the sh- the American shorter form, a bit more like Amazing Grace, which would place an argument for the Amazing Grace <coughs> tune to be American. Forgive mm. me for saying that, rather yeah, than British. Yeah, no, the original, but 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 either way, so yes, but um, Ed Cash would have been involved in the production of that at least, not the writing, but but mm. I'm I'm that's just a guess, but it is definitely it's it's a punchy format musically, um, with a lot with the big story, like it's not just mm. one story, it's a story of the whole yeah. early church. That's yeah, that's a big undertaking in that yes. really punchy format.
2: So right. Right. Well, uh, I guess we can maybe move towards ratings, I suppose. I think that sums up the song. And uh, I will use the prerogative of the host, and I'll go ahead and go first, and that way we save the guest for last. Uh, So, uh, I will give the song five out of five Powers of the Cross. So, Dave referenced uh, this already. Uh, I I think this is a Fantastic song in every way. I do think the power of the cross is a better song, just because it uh, it expounds a bit more. Yeah, exactly. It expounds a bit more, and it just is more. uh, uh, It's personal. It's uh, it's more descriptive. um, But this is also a great song to sing around Easter time, Uh, and you know the Gettys obviously have a talent for. For captivating these core aspects of the gospel, putting them to song. So, The Power of the Cross is one of them. And I think this one is also one of those as well. So, five out of five, Powers of the Cross. Tyler, what did you give the
1: song as a rating? I'm going to give it five out of five, Illin Pipes. Illin Pipes, because there's some lovely Illin Pipes in this live version that they performed at the Gospel Coalition. Uh, I almost gave it five out of five gospel coalitions, but I thought it'd be a little bit on the nose. And for those of you who are wondering what the illan pipes are, they're very much like me played elbow Irish bagpipe things. Um, <laughs> it's spelled, uh, believe it or not, friends, U I L L E A N N. So if you don't like it, go find an Irishman and chew him out over yeah. What the Gaelic language is doing? Gaelic yeah. Types. Do it while you're dancing a
2: Killa de Chol, like, <laughs> right? With your with your friend, Kyra, right? Because of those those Irish spellings of Kaylee and Kyra, or I mean, uh, uh, Kira, excuse me. Kira and yeah. Kevin and Siobhan. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> Siobhan, that's a good one too. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. How yeah. did you spell that one, Dave? Uh how long have you got? So um <laughs> and Siobhan's another one. The BH is for Vs. So that's that gets everybody. Yeah. Uh yeah, Ellian pipes that means Ellian just means elbow. So um so the Northumbrian, Northumbrian pipes from northeast um England, they're very similar and uh but they probably came from Iraq originally. Very Indo European <laughs> sort of thing. Um, I I gave this I'm going to take a liberty as a guest To give it separate ratings for different things So I gave this Five out of five pipe chanters Billion pipes For musicianship There was a lot of beautiful Really tasty musical stuff going on The bass guitar was great Great mandolins, flutes uh, Sorry, tin whistles And uh, there were references to Christmas carols musically And all sorts of things going on In the first verse on the piano um, so five out of five pipe chanters, um, and for inspiring worship, that's just that emotive side of things. I will probably mm-hmm. give it a three out of five basalt columns from the okay. Giant's Causeway, just because okay. I think that you know that short form really made it a struggle to really take the words to heart as well as okay. as head. Um, and but definitely five out of five catechism pages for learning the truth. And uh, it would be very useful for them. <laughs> okay,
1: <laughs> that is so funny.
2: <laughs> you're you're not the first guest to split your rating like that, Dave. Yeah. By the way, in oh, fact, I- the other guest was also named was named David, who who split his rating as well. Is that is
0: that the film buff guy? Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah,
0: he was very good. I like that. Yes. Yes, he we was liked, like we like David as well. Yeah.
2: yeah. And he will be pleased to know that you were happy with his episode, and he will tell us as well.
0: They're all wonderful. Effect. They're all yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow!
2: Fantastic. Well, thank you, listeners, as well for listening to another episode of the Worship Review. We just ask that you continue to uh, share the podcast with your friends. Uh, let us know as well uh, how you're uh, how you're finding the podcast. Send us email to the feed. feed excuse me. Send email to feedback at dot com. Look us up on Twitter. Uh, we are uh, expecting to be boosted with the new Elon Musk regime and Twitter. So, you know, better follow us while you can, because this we're going to the moon. This is going to be fantastic. Uh, and, of course, thanks to you, Dave, as well, for uh, sitting in and reviewing the song with us.
0: A real privilege, Jens. Thank you. I like, right. uh, Great to find like-minded people who love <laughs> Christian music, I <I'm> must <laughs> say.
2: Indeed. All right. Uh, we'll see you next time.